Live from Evanston, Illinois, this is Bruce Dumont with our Beyond the Beltway analysis of national politics, featuring occasional injections of rumor and innuendo all offered up by our panel of political insiders, pundits, power brokers, professors, and most importantly, plain-speaking Americans from coast to coast. Tonight featuring Tara Reid, the woman who has accused Joe Biden of sexual assault, journalist Megyn Kelly, and producer Rich McHugh, the veteran journalist who helped break the Harvey Weinstein story that led to the Me Too movement and also produced this interview. And you'll get a chance later on to judge Tara Reid's story for yourself. Right now, here is Megyn Kelly. Tara, thank you so much for being here. We'll get to your accusations against Joe Biden in a minute, but first I just want people to get a sense of who you are. Where are you from? Uh, I was born in Monterey, California, and I grew up uh, on a farm in Wisconsin, lived in about 80 acres Okay. So for part of my childhood, and lived also in Athens, Georgia, and then back to California. So you go from the West Coast to Washington, D.C. for a stint, you work on Capitol Hill, um, and then you wind up getting married and having a child. Right. Um, unfortunately, that marriage took a dark turn. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I met my ex-husband actually during the time I was living in Washington, D.C. when I was working for Joe Biden. The joy of that was my child and I'm, I and my daughter, and it's wonderful. But the heartbreak was that he was quite abusive and had a history, and um, we were put in a program that required me to and my daughter to leave the area and have a sealed name change and live in a, a safe house. It was a very serious domestic violence situation. It was. Law enforcement coordinated with, um, with women's uh, shelters, and then also his parental rights were terminated. And so I raised my daughter by myself. So yeah. you get a name change, you get a social security number change, mm-hmm. you wind up moving to the Pacific Northwest, mm-hmm. and then you decided to go to law school. How'd you pay for that? I took out a lot of loans. I'm still in debt, very deeply in debt. <laughs> uh, so you spent... Basically, most of your career at that point, helping domestic violence survivors, I'm told, uh, work for some animal rights organizations Mm -hmm. and the like. Correct. And is that what you were doing up until recently? Correct. Um, Off and on. Yeah. Okay. How old is your daughter now? She's 25. Okay. So let's go back to 1992. Mm -hmm. You get a job working for then-Senator Joe Biden as what? A staff assistant. You're overseeing the interns. Correct. So I was very excited to um, be on the Hill. I was very excited to work for Joe Biden. He's someone I looked up to. So you're on Capitol Hill. You're how old at this point? I'm 28. 29. And you make some friends, including a woman who I'm just going to call Karen Mm -hmm. for the purposes of this interview, who's working in Ted Mm -hmm. Kennedy's office. Correct. Okay. And Karen becomes pretty relevant in a short amount of time. Then at some point in your eight-month stint working for Biden, Mm -hmm. you claim you were sexually harassed. And I'm making a distinction here between harassment and assault. We'll get to the alleged assault in a minute. You claim sexual harassment began. How so? I would see him in hallways or whatever. He would always just greet me, put his hands on me, or put his hands on my shoulder and rub, you know, my neck sometimes. It was just a bit odd. Um... And I'd never had an employer do that. Did you ever see him behave inappropriately with someone other than you? <clears throat> Not really. He was. He would sometimes put his hands on people that I thought it was just unusual that he would just move people instead of saying, excuse me. I would see that once in a while. 
Um, but he seemed to, at meetings, it would be, he would like put his hand, not necessarily look at me, but he would just put his hand on my shoulder and then I would feel his finger underneath my hair, like on my neck. And Stroking um, your neck? Yeah, just a little with his finger and, and it just would make me freeze up because I'm, I'm a demonstrative person, but he was my boss and quite a bit older than me and I just was surprised by that. What did you take from that? Did you think he was after something? At the time, I just was so kind of surprised by it. And then um, I walked in, I was called in actually, to the office by Marianne Baker, to her office, and there was a discussion going on about me. Marianne Baker was Joe Biden's assistant for 30 years. She's in her 70s now, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but she was your boss. Correct. Okay, so she was the person you're, that you reported to, and what happened? You walked into her office. They were having a discussion about having me serve drinks at a fundraising event, and an aide was arguing that to me, saying that, you know, I didn't have to do that, that wasn't my job, that because the senator had said he liked my legs and thought I was pretty, I didn't have to do this. Who told you that? Um, it, was a, it was a Senate aide. That it heard Biden wanted you because mm-hmm. he liked your legs. Correct. And I was called into the office because they wanted to discuss it with me. Okay. And then I had one, one of my hallway meetings with Marianne Baker when she talked to me about it. And she just said, you know, if you want to get along here, you need to keep your head down and do what you're told. If you want to keep, you know, working here, basically. And she said, you need to button up your blouses. You need to have longer skirts. And you need to not look so sexy and noticeable. And you need to, you know, change how you're dressing. Were you wearing short skirts and low-cut blouses? No, I was wearing, like, um, you know, what you would get at Express. Like, just normal, like, skirts. Back then, in the 90s, we wore a lot of, you know, pastel-y kind of things. I wore heels. I mean, I did dress. So what do you think that was about? I think looking back on it, it was almost like damage control. It's like they were coming out aggressively at me because of the drinks thing, I think. But I don't know. Did you change the way that you dressed? No, you know, I, it's strange you ask that. No one's asked me that. But at the same time, I was talking to my mother, who is a very strong feminist and was always ahead of her time. And she explained to me that that was probably retaliation for what I was not, you know, serving the drinks. And your mom says this is inappropriate. What was your mom's name? Jeanette. So Jeanette says you got to do something about this. Did you? No, I didn't. Um, she, was, she said you need to at least document it. And I said, Mom, this isn't the kind of place you do that. And I also talked to my friend, um, Karen. So, You told her what was happening in the office? In real time, yes. We were discussing it. After they had the discussion with you about mm-hmm. your dress, do you feel there was any other retaliation? It just became very icy. And uh, my friend Karen noticed it when she would, like, if we would go to lunch or something, when she'd call for me, there was, like, this iciness. So there comes a day mm-hmm. at some point that spring, spring mm-hmm. of 1993. Correct where you say Senator Biden and you had an experience in a hallway in one of the Capitol buildings. Uh, Mm -hmm. Can you describe what happened that day? Yes, I was, this was during that time where I was kind of frozen out. So I was kind of surprised, but she, but Marianne came rushing in with this bag, like a duffel bag or gym bag, she called it, and said, you know, hurry, the Senator's already on his way. just follow him and try to catch him before the Capitol and give him this. He wants his bag. But I remember going down the Russell Building floors. And so I don't know if I was in the first floor or the, or the basement, but there's corridors that lead to the Capitol and that kind of thing. And I was trying to catch up with him. And This would have I, been on a weekday? Yes. Okay. And I remember, like, my heels, like, my legs hurting a little and, like, 
you know, there was just from walking really fast. I remember things like that. Um, and then I saw him at a distance. He was talking to someone and they, they walked away the other direction. And then he greeted me. He remembered my name. And then I said, you know, here you go, Senator. I handed him the bag and it happened very quickly. Interview with Tara Reed and Megan Kelly. We will have the complete interview for the rest of this broadcast and a little bit into our second hour. This is for adult listeners. I'm Bruce Dumont. We will continue shortly on Beyond the Beltway. This message is from the National Council on Aging. Adults over age 60 are at higher risk for the COVID-19 coronavirus because they may have weaker immune systems or chronic health conditions. The Centers for Disease Control recommends older adults avoid crowds and people who are sick. Wash your hands and disinfect surfaces often. Keep a two-week supply of food and medicine on hand. Learn more at ncoa.org. A few years ago, Steve Faircow's lungs were failing. I don't think I had more than a couple weeks to live. That's when Steve received a lung transplant made possible by an organ donor. Now Steve can do things he never imagined, like climbing 94 floors to the top of a skyscraper. I never knew that breathing could feel this good. It's an incredible gift. What could you make possible as an organ, eye, and tissue donor? Leave behind the gift of life. Go to organdonor.gov, U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services. Hey, this is Jay Farner, CEO of Quicken Loans. Quicken Loans is celebrating our best quarter ever. And now we're celebrating some of the lowest refinancing rates ever. Rates are historically low. You may be able to reduce your rate and save money on your monthly mortgage payment right now. This is your chance. Pay off some credit card debt or put some money towards that new bathroom or kitchen you've always wanted. The rate today on our 30-year fixed-rate mortgage is 3.99%. APR, 4.23%. That's right, 3.99%. APR, 4.23%. While we can't predict what will happen in the future, we do know that rates have dropped, and now is the time to save money on your mortgage. Call us today at 800-QUICKEN or go to rocketmortgage.com to learn how refinancing now may be the right mortgage solution for you. That's 800-QUICKEN or go to rocketmortgage.com. Rates subject to change. Pay 2% fee to receive this discounted rate. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. License in all 50 states. NMLS number 3030. When you go to the mechanic in here... Pass me the torque. Right? Nope, let me have the flamethrower. That sounds wrong. You know what else sounds wrong? When you hear about the interest you're earning on your savings with the largest banks. But with the Marcus by Goldman Sachs online savings account, you could earn much more interest. And hear this. Open a Marcus by Goldman Sachs online savings account in minutes at Marcus.com. You can money. Comparison made to the three largest U.S. banks measured by total deposits. Rates as of February 4th, 2020 and may vary by state. Goldman Sachs Bank USA. Member FDIC. Liberty Mutual Insurance Company helps you customize your home insurance so you only pay for what you need. Unlike things you paid for you didn't need, like that much-needed 125-inch flat-screen TV. It's hurting my eyes. A lot. For your 100-square-foot bedroom. My neck isn't so much stiff as it's completely stuck. With Liberty Mutual, get customized home insurance so you only pay for what you need. Uh Uh-oh, I'm seeing color splotches. Liberty, 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 Liberty. Only pay for what you need. 
Dumont back on Beyond the Beltway. We continue now with this interview between Tara Reid, the woman who has accused Joe Biden, and Megan Kelly. I remember, I remember being pushed up against the wall um, and thinking the first thought I had was, where's the bag? Which is an absurd thought, but that's what I thought was, where's the bag? Yeah, because I was handing it to him. And um, he had his hands... Um, under, underneath my clothes, and um, it was it happened all at once. So he had one hand underneath my shirt, and the other hand um, I had a skirt on, and he like went down my skirt and then went up. And I remember I was up almost on my tippy toes. And um, when he went inside the skirt, he was talking to me at the same time, and he was leaning into me, and I pulled this way away from his head I remember and so he was kissing my neck area and he whispered did I want to go somewhere else in a low voice he said some other things I can't remember everything he said Um, but he said um, something vulgar and may I ask what he he said I want to fuck you and he said it low and I was pushing away and I remember my knee hurting because our knees, he, he had opened my legs with his knee and our knees caps clashed. So I felt like the sharp pain. His fingers were inside of my private area, my vagina. And um, it, it wasn't, there was no small talk. There was no like precept. There was, it was just sudden and it was happening like that. And he um, was saying that to me, saying those things to me and I was pulling away. And then he pulled back immediately when he could see I wasn't complying. I was obviously just tensed up and frozen and not kissing him back and not going with him. And he pulled back and he looked at me and he said, come on, man, I I heard you liked me. And when he said that, it was either I heard or I thought, but I remember hearing heard. When he said that, I immediately started thinking what I did, like how I brought this on. Like, did I say something to somebody? Did I give an impression did I I was just my mind was racing and in that moment I knew this was really bad I knew I was it was more than just like the assault it was really bad he was then angry right and I could feel it wasn't like yelling angry but like that hostility build and he pulled back and he was just looking at me directly And he said, he pointed his finger at me and he said, you're nothing to me. You're nothing. And I, and I think, I I think that's the hardest thing. And I know people talk about the assault, but his words, those words stayed with me my whole life. And as I've been trying to tell my story, I kind of been torn apart trying to tell it. Those words come back. And it's like, it was, it was not, it was cruel. So when he saw me obviously start to get upset by what he said, he took me by the shoulders and he just kind of shook me, almost like, you know, and said, you know, you're okay, you're all right. Had you said anything to him? I wanted to say stop. And I thought it. I don't know if I said it. But sometimes, 
you know, when I ha I've had a couple bad dreams or a few bad dreams about it, I wake up yelling that. I wake up yelling, stop. And then he, um, he didn't look at me again. He picked up the gym bag, he turned around and he walked away and he never looked back. It sounds like it happened in an instant. I would say under three minutes. It was quick. Within moments of seeing you. Right. Like there was no, like he's never like engaged me. He never engaged me in conversation or asked me things. He just, he just had me up and, and was, was kissing me and then saying that. When you say that he went down the skirt and then back up, what is that? Like, did he go, did he enter the skirt from the top of the skirt? No. Um, on the outside. He, he came into the skirt from right. the bottom of the skirt. Right. And were, were you wearing underwear? Um, I, I was wearing lingerie underwear, yeah. Okay, and he pushed it to the side. He, there was no block, there were no, yeah, there was no reason, yeah. He was able to do what he wanted to do. And I don't mean to get too graphic. That's okay. But are you saying that they were crotchless when you say that it was lingerie? Like, can I just be clear on, did they, he push the underwear to the side or was that not an issue? That was not an issue. Well, yeah. Why? Because they were just lingerie panties, like, and I was going to meet my boyfriend later, so, yeah, so. Meaning there wasn't much to them? Right. You know, some people are going to hear this story, and they're going to say, you're telling me a U.S. senator in the middle of the day in a Senate office building committed a sexual assault right there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, how can people believe that? I don't really care if people believe it or not. I've had to live with it. And it's just one of those things that's impacted and shattered my life. It changed everything about my life. In that moment, I knew how angry he was, and I remember thinking, like, taking it on myself, like, thinking I put him in a bad position. Like, maybe he thought I wanted to be with him. Many people look at him and they say, you know, Joe Biden is a jovial, kind, warm guy, and he couldn't possibly be capable of that level of callousness. To those people, what do you say? He is. I'll never forget the calling me nothing and the way he pointed his finger at me, the sternness. And then, you know, when he said, you're okay, you're okay, it's like, he just walked away. So when you got out of the Senate building, who, what did you do next? Did you tell anybody? I, I remember just trying to get home. Like, I remember I had sitting on those stairs thinking I just had to get my legs to work so I could go back and get my purse. And then I remember being home. And then um, I was curled up like in fetal position, practically talking to my mom. Was she the first person you told? I called her. You told her all the detail? Mm-hmm. It took her a while to get it out of me because I kept, I was embarrassed about the underwear I was wearing. She described it as, as sexual assault. I mean, she, she said, this is wrong and you need to go to the police. And she was begging me to go to the police. She cried and yelled at me. And then she, when she was yelling at me, it really stressed me out. Um, but Did she you consider was, it? Did you consider going to the cops? I did not, because it was the Capitol Police, and I just said, Mom, you don't do that here. Did you tell anybody other than your mom? I told Karen, um, and she, um, I called her, and then we finally got to talk. And I just knew that something was going to change incrementally, like forever, right? So I took a shower. I remember that, and I remember, I remember trying to get, like, that smell, you know, just kept washing and washing. Do you yeah. feel... Traumatized. I felt scared. I, what I could say is, I don't know if it was trauma, but I felt frightened. Like, and it wasn't just about this, what happened. It was like, it was my job tied up with it. Did there come a time when you actually did complain 
about what had been going on in that office um, to anyone. Yes, right before the assault, I had gone to Marianne Baker and we had had our hallway meetings and I was about, you know, not serving the drinks and I started to tell her I was uncomfortable and she did not want to hear that. Um, right after the assault, I wanted to tell her about the assault. So I, I, we were in the hallway, I was trying to tell her, I was trying to say something happened and before I could really get any words out, she put her hand up and she said, I don't want to hear this. There was nothing that would suggest to her you had been sexually assaulted by him? No, the, I started to say something happened and she didn't let me get further than that. All of the complaining you did about the office environment happened prior to the alleged assault, except for the conversation mm -hmm. you claim you had with Marianne yes. in the hallway where yeah. you felt shut down. Mm -hmm. But then there was a point at which you decided to file a written complaint. Correct. Was that after the alleged assault? Right, yes. So I decided to seek out some help and they had something called, like it was Senate personnel, we called it loosely, but it was like a office of, you know, I don't even know, of, of, of for employees, like you go, where you get your IDs, things like that. And, but you go and you fill out a form and you start a process. So I did an intake form. I don't recall what I put on the intake when form. When you walk into the office, do you see another human? Behind the window, like almost like, you know, behind, if you were to go to a doctor's office and they hand you a clipboard. So they handed you a clipboard mm -hmm. and it had a piece of paper on there. Mm -hmm. But what did you say? I, I filled it out with my information and then said, I described the sexual harassment in terms of that being asked to be served the drinks and being uncomfortable. I doubt I used the word sexual harassment. I did not talk about the sexual assault at all. I only talked about the retaliation as well. Like I, because at that point I was really afraid of losing my position. Did you have the chance to copy the form? No. And we didn't have cell phones back then. Like now I would have taken a picture with my phone, but some people have hit you for this saying you kept virtually every record from your 92, 93 stint in Biden's office. Why would you not keep the one form that alleged harassment or retaliation? Actually, I didn't, I didn't keep very much from that time. I don't even have pictures really from that time. I think I just have a few things. Did you even think to get a copy or to try to get a copy? I thought they were going to call me for an appointment. So I was just kind of, I just thought it would be, I didn't know I was going to be fired at that time. Okay. <laughs> so I just thought I would be imminently coming into the office. How long thereafter were you fired? It, I would say it was in within a month I was stripped of my duty. So I don't know if they knew about the form, but I suspect that it got around. Um, but I don't know. So there was never a call uh, in response to your form. You've claimed that you complained to three people in Joe Biden's office at the time about the harassment, not the assault. They have all vehemently denied it. Mm -hmm. Marianne Baker, your direct mm -hmm. report, uh, says such a complaint, quote, would have left a searing impression on me as a woman professional and as a manager. It didn't happen. Ted Kaufman says she did not come to me. If she had, I would have remembered her a similar denial from Dennis Toner. These are pretty emphatic. This is Bruce Dumont. We will continue with this exclusive interview with Tara Reed and Megan Kelly in a few moments. Hi, this is Dr. Phil. The new coronavirus called COVID-19 is spreading in China and beyond. While CDC is working to stop the spread of the virus, 
we can all play a role in stopping this deadly disease. The CDC Foundation is a nonprofit organization supporting emergency response efforts in the United States and around the world. To get updates and learn how to protect friends and loved ones, find out how to help by going to cdcfoundation.org. Chris Domine is a husband, father, an athlete, even an Iron Man. But 10 years ago, Chris's kidneys were failing. The doctor said, if you don't get a kidney transplant, you are going to die. Chris received a second chance, made possible by an organ donor. Your well-being changes from loss of hope to better times ahead. What could you make possible as an organ, eye, and tissue donor? Leave behind the gift of life. Go to organdonor.gov, U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. Hey, this is Mike Sherrick from Into the Gap, and we're proud to announce 60 LLC as our newest sponsor. They're a federal firearms licensee conveniently located in Berwyn, Illinois. They offer FFL transfer services on all your firearm needs. Visit 60LLC, that's S-I-X-T-L-L-C.com, or give them a call at 708-973-1331 and mention this ad for $5 off your next transfer by March 31st. Do you need promotional material, printing, or interior decor for your business but don't know where to turn? Look no further than Fast Signs of Lincolnwood, the official signage provider of 1590 WCGO. Their courteous and professional staff will guide you from idea to delivery and installation. To get a free quote from one of their experts, give them a call at 847-675-1600 or visit them at 3450 West Devon Avenue in Lincolnwood. You can also check out their website at fastsigns.com. Fast Signs. More than fast, more than signs. This is Mike Novak on the Smart Talk Radio Network with an important message about coronavirus. As we work to slow the spread of COVID-19, it's also important to take care of our animal companions, have extra food and medication on hand, and create a plan for taking care of your pets if you should get sick. Pet support services are more important than ever. Check with your local shelter or rescue to help them with a donation. Consider fostering or adopting a pet. We're all in this together. Go to humanesociety.org. As I went through school, one giant question loomed over me. What did I want to be? First, I had to decide what I wanted to make. I wanted to make more, so I became a teacher. Now I make learning a privilege, not a chore, and frustration a tool, not an obstacle. I make working hard seem easy, and giving up impossible. I'm a teacher. I make more. Find out how you can make more at teach.org. Make more. Teach. Brought to you by... From coast to coast and border to border and around the world at beyondthebeltway.com, you're listening to a very special interview this evening between Tara Reid, the former uh, U.S. Senate staffer who has made uh, sexual assault allegations against uh, uh, Vice President Joe Biden. And again, it has shaken up uh, the campaign to some extent. Uh, Joe Biden was on uh, with um, uh, Micah Bersinski on uh, MSNBC last week. He denies Everything that you are hearing right now, he completely denies it said he said it never happened. Megan Kelly is doing the the follow up interview with it. And again, uh, there will be more discussed on this a little bit later on when we'll be joined by Rich McHugh. Rich McHugh is the producer of this interview. He also worked with Ronan Farrell on uh, really unreeling, uh, unveiling rather, uh, the 
the trials and tribulations of Harvey Weinstein and uh, which led to the Me Too movement. So again, he, he knows the subject matter. And again, we'll talk with him about how this interview was put together. Right now, you're listening to it. And we'll continue with that interview now with Tara Reid and Megan Gelly. One of the witnesses who has come forward to support your story is Karen, mm-hmm. this person you met in Ted Kennedy's office. Right. Um, Karen is a working professional. Um, she does not wish to be on the record uh, by, by name, mm-hmm. um, but she has spoken to my producer in this interview, Rich McHugh, an investigative reporter and producer, and she's, she has said to him specifically that your story has never varied that you told her this story at the time it happened. Why do you think Karen is afraid to come forward with her real name and say this publicly? Because she's, you know, she owns a business, and I mean, she has, you know, a family. You, you see what's happening to me. My friends and family are being harassed and attacked and discredited and dragged through the mud. There's another woman uh, who mm-hmm. says you told her this story mm-hmm. about two years after it happened. Yes. Uh, her name is Linda Lacoste. Mm-hmm. She's a lifelong Democrat. She mm-hmm. says she's a Biden supporter and is going to vote for Joe Biden right. this November. Yeah. But she said uh, this happened. And mm-hmm. I know it did because I remember talking about it. People need to believe Tara. Um, what's happened to her since she came out and identified herself as somebody who is a corroborating witness of yours? She said it's been hard on her um, because she's been getting harassing calls. People have been saying really terrible things about her on social media and dragging some of her personal life onto personal finances, just all kinds of things smeared. You voted for Joe Biden in 2008 and 2012. And I think a lot of people look at that and say, how could you vote for the man who sexually assaulted you? Because I wasn't voting for him, I was voting for Obama. I mean, I was really hopeful and happy that Obama became president and Joe Biden happened to be on the ticket. My daughter was young. There was no way I was going to come forward. And at those times, there was really no mechanism. And I think when people say, why don't you just tell your story? Well, it's not that easy. When I when I tried to bring forth my story this year alone, it took months for a news outlet to really look at it and then months more for them to investigate it and vet it and look into it. And then they decide they decide when they print it. I have no control over that. But as recently as 2017, you were praising Joe Biden publicly. Right. And I think that has a lot of people scratching their heads. Right. There's a on multiple occasions you retweeted or you liked um, Mm -hmm. online praise for Joe Biden and his work combating Mm -hmm. sexual assault. There was a a compliment you tweeted about him saying, my old boss speaks truth. Listen, I mean, it is true that women do sometimes praise men who have sexually harassed or abused them. Mm -hmm. But why would you publicly praise Joe Biden for actions on sexual assault when you claim that's what he did to you? Well, one thing during that time, I'm an expert witness on domestic violence issues, as you know. So that was like an account that was, you know, part of that awareness of domestic violence and and other violent acts. Um, I've always been conflicted about Joe Biden. I didn't want to talk badly about him, and I wasn't ready to tell my history with Joe Biden at that point at all. Mm -hmm. And nor I had any idea of going to the press about it at that point. It wasn't until um, 2019 when I saw Lucy Flores come forward and the way the media treated her. Politician from the state of uh, Nevada? Correct. 
who had come mm-hmm. out and made an allegation about Joe Biden touching her her inappropriately at a campaign event, she, mm-hmm. she said. I felt I wanted to come forward, so I talked to my friend Karen, and Karen actually had, had said, have you noticed they said no employees had come forward? And I said, I know, you know, and I thought about it. But Karen was really against me ever coming forward, period, in public. She just said, the blowback will be so bad, you it just will be terrible. And I'm like, well, this is a different time. There's a Me Too movement. Like, maybe this is the time for me to really, I feel a bit hypocritical. Here I am an advocate for other people, but I'm not, I'm hiding the secret. I'm not telling what happened to me. You give an interview to your Mm -hmm. local paper. Right. And you don't tell the full story. You you only tell about the alleged harassment and you don't mention the alleged assault. Why not? The first question that was asked of me was, well, it wasn't sexual, was it? And that's all it took. I was so lacking in courage and it'd be the first time I've been telling the story, I just, I, it kind of took my breath and I thought, okay, I can't really talk about what happened. And then as soon as the local article came out talking about the harassment, um, within hours, before it even hit the paper, I was being called a, a Russian agent. So. Right. We'll get to Vladimir Putin in a, in a minute. But how soon after speaking to that reporter in April of 19, mm-hmm. did you begin reconsidering and thinking about telling the full story? Almost immediately. I think it was probably later in the summer that I started reaching out back to, um, you know, a couple of reporters I had been speaking with, and they did not respond. And so then I started reaching out to politicians. And I really started in the fall um, very actively, even tweeting openly, like, there's something more, there's something more, and really putting it out there but not receiving a response. Let me back up before we get there. Sure. So when you spoke out in April of 19 about the alleged harassment but not assault, you did something interesting. In an interview you gave to the Washington Post, uh, there's a quote from you that is, this is what I want to emphasize. It's not him. It's the people around him who keep covering for him. For instance, he should have known what was happening to me. Looking back now, that's my criticism. Maybe he could have been a little bit more in touch with his own staff a little more in touch with his own staff. I mean, this is the guy who allegedly sexually assaulted you, and you seem to be trying to cover him in this discussion with the Washington Post. Do they have the quote right? And why, why would you do that? I'm pretty sure that's in response to the question about specifically the retaliation. So I was being retaliated. I was talking about, they were asking me if Joe Biden fired me, and I said, no, it was Ted Kaufman. I don't even know if Joe Biden knew I was fired. Um, because he wasn't in touch. What I meant by that was he wasn't in touch with the day-to-day of staff. Like, that's not something he did. You're not blaming him and weren't blaming him for the retaliation you suffered. Yeah, I wasn't sure he even knew. Let's talk about some of the backlash you got when you came out in April of 2019, including being accused of being a, a Russian agent. Your comments on Vladimir Putin are a little out there, right? So just, I want to give you the chance to explain what that's about. Um, You've said he's a genius with athletic prowess that's intoxicating. He has an alluring combination of strength with gentleness. His sensuous image projects his love for life, the embodiment of grace while facing adversity. Uh, And that, like most women across the world, you like President Putin a lot, shirt on or off. Well, that was a joke, but um, that was humorous, meant to be humorous. You sound pretty enamored with him. But I I think that that what I want to say about that is if you read all of the posts, there are a lot about Russia and the anti-Russia sentiment right now that we have. And I don't like xenophobia. Um, 
you know, and I, I was writing a Russian novel that was part of the writing group that I mentioned earlier. And we were doing creative writing, creative posts. And I was in the middle of studying about Russia, kind of immersing myself in that. The truth of the matter is, you know, I've never been to Russia. I don't know what it's like to live there or the human rights violations that, you know, he is accused of. And what I would say now is that I don't appreciate his views about, for instance, domestic violence um, programs. Like, there's not a lot of support for women, from my understanding. You've had a change your heart on him. Yeah. But all of that aside has nothing to do with what happened in 1993 or where Joe Biden had his hands, where they weren't supposed to be. Eventually, you do decide to tell the full story, and you put that decision someplace in the summer of 2019. Mm -hmm. Um, You tried to go to the press. You didn't get any. Nobody would take the story. How many publications would you say you went to? Oh, gosh, I don't know. I went to quite a few. um, Would they they blow you off? Um, There was just no answer. Yeah, like I went to, I think, The Guardian. Probably there was, um, I reached out to NPR, to The New Yorker. I mainly stayed with, like, PBS, NPR, New York Times, those kinds of, yeah. Why do you think they were blowing you off? I don't know if they were blowing me off, but I don't, but I think people need to understand when they're trying to tell a story, it's not that easy. I think, you know, you go to the tip lines or you go, if you're not a known citizen or a known person, you don't necessarily get a platform to come forward. Was this at all politically motivated? Because that's what people think, you know. They think you were a Marianne Williamson supporter, you're a Bernie supporter. Mm -hmm. This is about politics. No, actually, it's not. Well, I think everything's political. Like, maybe I'll take that back. Everything's political, right? But this is deeper than that. This is about um, watching the person that assaulted me be elevated to the highest office in the land. He's running on a platform of character, and I just, I found that gross. I know what he's like. I experienced what he was like. And I wanted people to know. But if you brought it to, for example, the Elizabeth Warren campaign, Mm -hmm. right, to try to get them to do something with it, um, and the Kamala Harris campaign? I did. Mm -hmm. Isn't that inherently political? I mean, doesn't that suggest, in fact, this is all political? I tried to reach out to them, yes, I did. I tried to reach out to them. Well, Camilla Harris is my representative, so I tried to reach out to her in particular um, for help. Like, I wanted to get a safe place to tell what happened and I didn't get a response. So I kept, again, trying to get it out there. Um, I think that many things can be true at once is what you know we all know, right? He is presented as a champion of women's rights. Every year, millions of Americans use opioids to manage pain. Pain can be unrelenting, overwhelming, and all-consuming. So why do so many of us try to manage pain only from the palm of our hands? Doctor-prescribed opioids are appropriate in some cases, but they just mask the pain. And reliance on opioids has led to the worst drug crisis in American history. That's why the CDC recommends safer alternatives, like physical therapy, to manage pain. Physical therapists treat pain through movement, hands-on care, and patient education. No warning labels required. And by increasing physical activity, you can also reduce your risk of other chronic diseases. Pain is personal, but treating pain takes teamwork. When it comes to your health, you have a choice. Choose more movement and better health. Choose physical therapy. Visit MoveForwardPT.com to find a physical therapist in your area. This message is brought to you by the American Physical Therapy Association. Liberty Mutual Insurance Company presents... 
Doug. Check it out, Limu. Got a brand new motorcycle jacket and matching leather pants. Now let's go for a ride and tell everyone that Liberty Mutual customizes their motorcycle insurance. So you only pay for what you need. Oh my gosh, this leather does not breathe well. You can't suffocate in leather, can you? Liberty, 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 Liberty. Get a customized quote at LibertyMutual.com. When you go to the mechanic in here... Pass me the torque, right? Nope, let me have the flamethrower. That sounds wrong. You know what else sounds wrong? When you hear about the interest you're earning on your savings with the largest banks. But with the Marcus by Goldman Sachs online savings account, you could earn much more interest. And hear this. Open a Marcus by Goldman Sachs online savings account in minutes at Marcus.com. You can money. Comparison made to the three largest U.S. banks measured by total deposits. Rates as of February 4th, 2020 and may vary by state. Goldman Sachs Bank USA, member FDIC. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. Do not forget to buy lentils, or the lentil soup you're making for dinner will be sorely lacking. By the way, Mrs. Calloway says thanks for helping her bundle home and auto. She appreciates the extra savings, even though you kept using the word apropos incorrectly. But the main thing is do not forget to buy, uh, what was it? Something apropos, the lentil soup. Sorry, I'll call you back. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations. Hey, this is Jay Farner, CEO of Quicken Loans. Quicken Loans is celebrating our best quarter ever, and now we're celebrating some of the lowest refinancing rates ever. Rates have dropped so much that many Americans can reduce their rate. You may be able to save money on your monthly mortgage payment right now. The rate today on our 30-year fixed-rate mortgage is 3.99%, APR 4.23%. Call us at 800-QUICKEN or go to rocketmortgage.com to learn more. Rates subject to change. Pay 2% fee to receive this discounted rate. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal- Bruce Dumont back on Beyond the Bellway. You're listening to Tara Reid tell her story to Megyn Kelly about her uh, allegations against uh, Joe Biden. Uh, Joe Biden has denied uh, everything that basically you've heard. He has said this did not happen. I want to repeat that over and over again. Uh, This interview, we've got one more segment in our first hour of our broadcast, and then the final segment will slip into the second hour of our show this evening, and then we'll be followed uh, by Rich McHugh, who is the producer of this interview, and we'll talk with him about how it all came about. And again, there will be an opportunity for you to call in with your questions at 1-800-723-8289. But now, back to the interview and Megan Kelly. One of the reasons people have chosen to dismiss you, some people have mm-hmm. chosen to dismiss mm-hmm. your allegation, is because there was a March 3rd tweet that I want to ask you about. Okay. So The Intercept's Ryan Grimm mm-hmm. tweeted out, quote, a head-to-head Biden v. Sanders contest will force voters to take a close look at Biden again. That went very badly for him last time. And you responded at 10.33 p.m. on March 3rd, 2020. Yep. Timing. Wait for it. Tick-tock. It sounds political, and it sounds like you were excited to drop this bomb. That was in response to me getting, finally, I thought, an attorney from, t- from Time's Up to finally bring something forward and bring my story forward in a safe way. So that's why I wrote it. TikTok was a reference Time's to Up. Time's Up. Yeah. Uh, were you excited? Because it sounds anticipatory. You're building the anticipation and the suspense. People have used that as a reason to say, she's not credible. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I think that they'll use anything to say that I'm not credible, so I won't address it in that way. What I will say is that I was very, very vocal on Twitter about trying to get the story forward. Can we talk about the the double standard in mm-hmm. you know that some believe uh, exists in the way you've been treated versus the way some other sure. Me Too complainants have been treated? Yeah. Uh, some of those who touted the "we must believe all women." Uh, line the most during, mm-hmm. for example, the Kavanaugh hearings for the Supreme Court certainly seem to have changed their tune when it comes to you. Um, Nancy Pelosi's one of them, Senator Kirsten Gillibrand of New York, Alyssa Milano. Mm-hmm. Um, how did that feel? It makes me upset. It makes me angry because those were people that I respected, some of which I voted for or worked with, you know, in some capacity. And, you know, when I was on the Hill, like in a remote way, they were there. I was I voted for some people um, that said this. For instance, um, I supported Elizabeth Warren, who basically said she believed Joe Biden and just dismissed me. What do you want to say to people like that who are looking into the camera right now saying, I don't believe her, I support him? I want to say you don't have to discredit me or not believe me to vote for Joe Biden. I even have friends and family that are still voting for Joe Biden because they, that's what they're doing. Why wouldn't you ask me? Ask me what happened. Ask me my experience. And then if you choose to not believe me, that's fine. And I don't really care deep down if they believe me or not. I know what happened to me, and I'll move forward. But I want other survivors to know that that they can come forward. And when they see this sort of onslaught, this sort of partisanship, it's it's very discouraging. So, So we can come forward unless it's a Democrat. Is that the message we're sending? You've been an active Democrat your whole mm-hmm. life. Yeah. Are, are you still? I'm. Well, I don't know if they've noticed, but I've, I'm leaving the Democratic Party, um, and I, I won't be part of any. Um, I won't be a Republican. It's just not my political um, belief system. I've been pretty much a progressive all my life, and um, so it's been. It's been. I feel politically homeless. Do you believe we should believe all women? I believe in the survivors that have come forward, like Blasey Ford, and the other ones that have come forward. I I do stand with them. I think that there needs to be a conversation rather than a hashtag. Are you in favor of the conversation? I mean, does Joe Biden get due process? Does he get the chance to vet these claims and defend himself? Is that okay? I think he's been doing that, right? He's had a chance for more platforms than I have. Let's talk about what he said, mm-hmm. uh, because he went on TV last mm-hmm. Friday yeah. and um, said, first of all, it never happened, period, mm-hmm. end of report. This okay. did not happen. Um, he did say that, in his view, accusers should start off with the presumption that they're telling the truth. Do you think he's afforded you that presumption? No. I mean, that's. I mean, it's been stunning, actually, how the the... Some of his surrogates with the blue checks, you know, that are his surrogates have been saying really horrible things about me and to me on social media. Um, He hasn't himself, but there is a measure of hypocrisy with the campaign saying it's safe. It's not been safe. You know, all my social media has been hacked. All my personal information has been dragged through. Every person that maybe has a, you know, a gripe against me, an ex-boyfriend or an ex-landlord or whatever it is, has been able to have a platform rather than me. Um, talking about things that have nothing to do with 1993, like even the whole thing with being called a Russian agent, that in particular, 
um, that incites people. People actually, I got a death threat from that because they thought I was being a traitor to America. And I mean, these are serious things. Like, and his campaign um, is, you know, taking this position that they want all women to be able to speak safely. I have not experienced that. Where does the line get drawn, though, right? Because you know he has to have the opportunity to question your story. Of course mm-hmm. he's going to come out and say it isn't true and these are the reasons I don't believe it's true and you shouldn't believe it's true. Like any man accused or woman for that matter has the right to do that, right? Correct. So where are people going wrong in the coverage of this story? I think one thing that was notable was it took him a long time to respond, didn't it? Biden. Correct. Mm-hmm. Like, how how long did it take? Over a month for him to publicly respond. Right, exactly. So it took over a month. And meanwhile, his campaign manager kept saying that the media had to investigate it. And and to me, you know, being a past victim advocate for, for domestic violence, I thought that was appalling. That's like calling the mob to, like, tear apart somebody. And I really, and it, they, they did. You're listening to Tara Reid tell her story to Megan Kelly. What do you think? Do you believe it? 1-800-723-8289 will give you an opportunity to weigh in on this at about 7.30 this evening. And when we come back, we're going to be talking with Rich McHugh. Uh, he is the producer of this uh, uh, interview and also very much involved with Ronan Farrell uh, in the investigation into Harvey Weinstein. 1-800-723-8289 is the number. I'm Bruce Dumont. Thanks for joining us tonight on Beyond the Beltway. What is hope? Hope to me was just that he would get to come home. I had no idea how hard it would be once he got back. I wish she'd stop drinking so much. She thinks it's helping, but... It's not. I hope she sees that soon. I act like I don't care if he comes to my games. But I hope he does. I used to hope he'd find happiness again. Now I hope our marriage makes it. I hope Grandpa will get help. He thinks it's too late, but it's not. With everything that he's going through, I hope he sees a counselor. I just want my brother back. I hoped he'd get help. Stop hoping things would get better on their own. He told me to stop asking. I didn't. Then one day he asked for a ride. Hope is knowing there are other families just like yours, that the veterans they love got help and recovered. Go to maketheconnection.net and turn hope into action. Matt always knew he wanted to be a doctor. That's why he makes the most of every day. To study before breakfast. To work hard to do whatever was necessary to achieve his goal. He found an answer in the military. If you have a passion, a vision for your future in any field, todaysmilitary.com can be your path to a fulfilling career. You have a calling, we have an answer. Find your way at todaysmilitary.com. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career I can be proud of and supporting my family. America's veterans are on their most important tour, the tour of their lives. I'm a veteran. My victory was going from homeless to home. At DAV, we're on a mission to help veterans get the benefits they've earned. I'm a veteran, and my victory was finishing my education. DAV offers veterans of all generations a lifetime of support. 
for victories great and small. My victory was proving that a disability is not a limitation. My victory was getting my service dog a new best friend. We help more than a million veterans every year as they face and conquer their challenges. My victory is being able to be there for my family. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. Standing up for what's right. Helping out when things go wrong. Seeking the truth and speaking our minds. Not just making records, but breaking them. Leading the way behind the camera, beyond the runway, and on the silver screen. Not just making our mark, but making a difference. Now that's a job for a Girl Scout. Girl Scouts, preparing girls for a lifetime of leadership. This is Peggy Malecki on the Smart Talk Radio Network with an important message about coronavirus as we work to slow the spread of COVID. Bruce Dumont back on Beyond the Beltway. Thank you very much for joining us this evening. In case you've just tuned in, uh, we are playing this evening, uh, thanks to uh, Megan Kelly's support, uh, Megan Kelly's interview with... Tara Reid, the woman who was accused of Joe Biden of sexual assault. Uh, and again, uh, we played most of that interview in hour number one. We've got one more segment to go. And at the conclusion of uh, this segment, we're going to hear from Rich McHugh. He was the producer of this interview. He's also been very much involved with Ronan Farrell and some of the investigations that he has done. He'll be with us in just a few moments. And then we're going to open up the phones at 1-800-723-8289. 1-800-723-8289. And also, if you want to uh, call in or post uh, on Facebook, uh, we'll be taking your reaction to the interview that you have been listening to. And now we go back to Megan Kelly. And have right. you had any representation during this time? No, no. So you got rejected by Time's Up. Have mm-hmm. you had a PR person? No, no. Have you had a lawyer? No. So it's just you? Just me, <laughs> kind of stumbling around trying to tell my story. If he's watching this, mm-hmm. what do you want to say to him? I want to say... You and I were there, Joe Biden. Please step forward and be held accountable. And if you feel that you can address this in a real way, then you know and I know that you should step down. You're not, you're not, you should not be running on character for the President of the United States. You want him to withdraw? I wish he would, but he won't, but I wish he would. That's how I feel emotionally. Do you want an apology? I think it's a little late. That was should have happened in 1993. Now he says um, he's calling on the National Archives to release whatever documents that may have come from the Senate personnel offices while you were there mm-hmm. in search of this alleged complaint. Mm-hmm. They say they don't have them. Um, some are saying he should release his Senate files that are being kept at the University of Delaware. He says he's not going to do that. He was asked, why not just have somebody go over there and do a search only for any document that mentions Tara Reid or sexual harassment? He won't do it. Your reaction to that? I think that says it all. Um, and I think once we get the document, we'll, we'll see what it says. What if we don't get the document? What does that tell us? Again, that says it all. I think that his reluctance is, is speaking volumes. If I can just go back for one second to Blasey Ford. Yes. Because we mentioned her and we were talking yes. about Believe All Women. Um, some of those who supported her but now have found a reason not to support you say, well, she was under oath. Mm-hmm. Would you go under oath? Absolutely. They say, well, she subjected herself to cross-examination. Would you do that? Absolutely. They also point out that she took a polygraph controlled by someone on her team 
Is that something you want to do? I'm not a criminal. Joe Biden should take the polygraph. What I would say is that they're not admissible into court. One. Two, Blasey Ford took one. Is that true? I believe that's what I understand. But what kind of precedent does that set for survivors of violence? Does that mean we're presumed guilty and we all have to take polygraphs? So I'm just putting it out there. So I will take one if Joe Biden takes one. But I'm not a criminal. President Trump has been accused by over 12 women of sexual assault or harassment or worse. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that gets to the heart of it. A lot of Democrats are mad. They're mad at you for, mm-hmm. they see it as an attempt to tar their guy, the one guy who could bring down a man they loathe. And they kind of just wish you would go away. To those people, what do you say? I say again, you don't have to discredit me or not believe me to vote for Joe Biden. Voting is a very personal thing, and I'm not here to influence a national election, and I don't want to be. I do not want to help Donald Trump win. I do not want to help Joe Biden win. Obviously, he's the person that hurt me. There's, a, there's an op-ed in the New York Times today by Linda Hirschman who mm-hmm. says, I believe Tara Reid, and I'm still going to vote for Joe Biden. Yeah. And I know it means I have to sell out Tara Reid, but I just think Trump's worse is essentially her position, more artfully stated than that. Um, can you understand that? I think that says more about our culture and our society right now than it says about what's me, right? I mean, this is the highest office of the land. So do we want someone who thinks of women as objects, who thinks that they can just take what they want in that moment for their pleasure, and that's it? And I guess that's the question. On the subject of others coming forward, mm-hmm. some people have said, if, if a guy's going to be this brazen mm-hmm. in, a, in a sexual assault case, mm-hmm. doing this to a woman who works for him in the middle of a Senate office building, in the middle of the day, in the middle of a corridor, he's a sitting U.S. senator, there would be others. That they can't believe Tara Reid because there's no one else making an allegation this serious. Mm-hmm. What do you say to them? I say I think I'm a poster child as to why women wouldn't come forward, aren't I? If you've been watching any of the social media or the news and seeing how I've been attacked basically on, on everything about me, um, it's, it's pretty obvious that if you did have you know, a story to come forward with about Joe Biden, it would be pretty daunting, wouldn't it? What is the end game here? You know, a lot of people think, eh, she's just disappointed Bernie didn't get it. She's trying to make something up to go after Biden. And even if it's true, like, what's the end game? She wants Trump? What is the end game for you here? My end game is that, is basically telling my story in a dignified way, not be torn apart. And it's being able to move on with my life and heal. How has this whole thing affected you? It's been freeing. It's actually, I, I can't describe it, but even, even all the smears, it's just like, okay, bring everything out. Like, fine, talk terrible things about me. Say, I, you know, like my bankruptcy was posted and I want people to know, don't be ashamed if you're poor. Like, don't be ashamed if your life is messy. That's ridiculous. You should be able to talk about your life. We all have problems and, and no one's perfect. It took me a long time to come forward because of you know things that were happening in my life but from survivors they always have this feeling like they have to be perfect or they have to have you know and i'm not perfect and and it's all out there like everything about me and in a way it's just set me free thank you so much for being here thank you thank you for having me you bet 
Well, that was uh, Tara Reed talking with uh, Megan Kelly. You've heard the entire uh, interview. Uh, I'm going to get your reaction, 1-800-723-8289. But joining us uh, now is Rich McHugh. He was the producer of that interview, and Rich was with us uh, several months ago, and we talked about uh, Ronan Farrell and his investigation along with Rich into uh, Harvey Weinstein and the problems they had with NBC News. So, Rich, welcome back to Beyond the Beltway. How did Thanks, you, Bruce. How did you become involved in this uh, Tara Reid project? So I had been looking into her the allegations she had made against uh, Joe Biden for about, gosh, what is it now, maybe six weeks. Uh-huh. She had, one, one of the uh, Weinstein survivors, Sarah and Massey, had reached out to me and said, hey, Rich, um, can you take a look at this story? Uh, Tara Reed's story, um, you know, she's, she just, she's not being listened to, etc. And so I said, I will. And I actually, I, I really didn't want to go down this road with this story because I knew it was like touching the third rail uh-huh. in American politics. So I said, I, I didn't even call her for a couple of days. And then finally I called her and I talked to her for a couple of days and said, okay, I started taking notes and going down the road of like, okay, who else can I talk to in your world? Who's, who would corroborate this, etc. Rich, so I'm going to interrupt you here for just a moment. We've got to go to a break and we'll pick up on the other side and we'll have another 15 minutes with you. Back shortly. I'm Bruce. This message is from the National Council on Aging. Adults over age 60 are at higher risk for the COVID-19 coronavirus because they may have weaker immune systems or chronic health conditions. The Centers for Disease Control recommends older adults avoid crowds and people who are sick. Wash your hands and disinfect surfaces often. Keep a two-week supply of food and medicine on hand. Learn more at ncoa.org. A few years ago, Steve Faircow's lungs were failing. I don't think I had more than a couple weeks to live. That's when Steve received a lung transplant made possible by an organ donor. Now Steve can do things he never imagined, like climbing 94 floors to the top of a skyscraper. I never knew that breathing could feel this good. It's an incredible gift. What could you make possible as an organ, eye, and tissue donor? Leave behind the gift of life. Go to organdonor.gov, U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. Bruce Dumont back on Beyond the Beltway. We're talking with Rich McHugh, the producer of uh, the Tara Reid interview. And uh, Rich, before the break, you were telling the story that uh, you'd been sort of tipped to the story. You uh, you were kind of not necessarily anxious to get into it, uh, but you talked to her uh, to Tara a couple of times. And uh, what what uh, what changed your mind about your interest? Well, basically, the way I approach all these stories stories of sexual, you know. Con, you know, harassment at the very uh-huh. least. Um, you, you try and, I try and kill them, you know? I listen to everything and see if I can shoot it down yeah. to the point where I shouldn't go forward with the story. And I, I couldn't do that with the story because I kept speaking with, with voices and different different people along, you know, Tara's history who say, you know, she told them parts of this story in 1993 or um, 1995 and colleagues of hers. And so 
while it's not outright corroboration, it's these voices kind of started to stack up. And so I did a number of, I wrote two stories for business insider on, on it. And then at the, at the point where she was getting ready to do a TV interview, uh, she had reached out to Megan Kelly and, um, had asked her to, you know, would she consider interviewing her? Mm -hmm. And I think they spoke at length and then, Megan said, yeah, I'll do it. You know, I, I wasn't part of the conversation, obviously, but um, she called, Megan called me, you know, whatever it was, Sunday mm -hmm. morning, very early, and said, hey, I, mm -hmm. I think I'm going to interview Tara Reid. I'd like you to produce it. Was and, Tara, uh, Tara Reid? known Megan. Yeah, go ahead. I had known Megan. Um, we'd been at NBC together, and uh, we'd kind of bonded over our... Uh, mutual bad experiences there. Mm -hmm. And um, so we've just been in touch ever since. Okay. And the bad experiences for those that didn't hear the interview a couple of months ago, the, 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 the president of uh, NBC, uh, Andrew Lack, uh, lost his job last week. And uh, uh, you're not, you're not too worried about that. So uh, that'll be, an, that'll be another interview. But uh, in proceeding with this, was Tara Reid paid for this interview? No, 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 no. And, uh, when you look into a story like this, um, to what extent is motivation, the person's motivation, um, important to your decision-making? Uh, very important. If I sense that they're trying to do it for PR reasons or financial gain, or in this case, possibly political reasons, it's, uh, it's, it's very important. So I have to rule that, um, I, I have to, that weighs into, uh, the decision, you know, whether, whether to, to go forward with the story. So it was important for Megan to, to ask her, you know, to drill down, is this political? You know, are you doing this now? And I think what Tara said is she's been trying to tell this. She, she told people about it in 1993, uh, 95. She's been telling people all along. And there was a, there's a big gap in the middle where she could have come forward but did not, you know, when, especially when Obama was elected and Biden was his VP. And what he, what she has said to us is like, she wanted Obama to be the president very much. And, um, because he was the VP, it was like, it didn't feel right. And it also, because her daughter, I think at the time, at the time was like 10 uh -huh. and she's like, I can't subject her to, to this. She was a single mother. So now you know, what there's, she, go ahead. No, one thing that uh, about that is that uh, uh, she has all she's also uh, suggested, and she talked about the campaigns. But um, the the Democratic operatives that I have spoken with about this interview and letting them know about the the uh, interview this evening, um, the word came back is uh, all the Democratic consultants say she's a Russian plant. I'm sure you've heard that. Uh, is there any way to check something like that out? I mean, I thought they'd backed off of that because that was the uh, that was the the kind of the, the pushback they'd given us when we were going to print with our stories. Uh huh. You know, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, just just a lot of research. But do do I think she's getting? Do I think she's a Russian plant? No, I don't. But. I know there's a lot of people that do. Um, I don't think it's very. I think she she has written about 
Russia, and she was in a creative mm-hmm. writing class, and she was potentially writing a book about right. Russian literature in Russian, etc. And um, I don't know. It just I, no. I, I've weighed it. I've listened no. to all of it. I've read it, and I, I it, to me, it didn't rise to a level where. Mm-hmm. Says that she's a Russian plant, right? I, I just, well, also, I don't it's find something that, that I mean, Democratic operatives use that, you know, against Donald Trump too. So that that's an that's an old uh, that's an old piece of their mo. But my right. my the, the the question getting getting back the, the one of the things that sort of jumped out to me is when she talks about uh, that he said uh, you mean nothing to me. I mean, th- this was the ultimate woman scorned thing to hear from her and that stuck out in, in the first part of the interview that was one of the things that really just jumped out uh how how much that's that comment allegedly hurt her right um yeah i was i was actually surprised to hear that too when, when she was during the interview mm-hmm. but um she's been consistent you know i, I i've interviewed her a number of times and uh, in Megan's interview, she said she said the same thing. She hasn't really wavered. Uh-huh. Um, so I'm never going to come out and say, like, look, guys, I believe her. Uh, it's just not my place as a reporter. Right. But I, there's, there's a lot of corroborating voices mm-hmm. that I can't dismiss. Well, I've spent hours on the phone with some of these people and trying to, you know, asking them the same questions in different ways to see if they change their stories and to me, they haven't. Last week on this on the show, Rich, just to to be totally candid here, last week I had read uh, an article in the USA Today uh, by a former federal prosecutor, and I read that, and mm-hmm. it 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 made me question her. And uh, after hearing uh, the actual interview, I am less emphatic about that. I don't believe her than I was one week ago. And I think it, it gets us to where we are as a society, and I think something that obviously Megan Kelly believes and, and you believe. I mean, this is someone in this world in which we live, this is someone who at least needs to be heard. Now, you may rip the hell out of her story, but she at least needs to be heard with her story. Absolutely, in the same way that People accusing Donald Trump uh, of, of similar things need to right. be heard. It's, it's you know, I personally, I, 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 I really try to strip the politics out of out of a story like this because if you don't, it's going to inform your, your decisions to go forward. And um, you know, I, I, I just I'm not a fan of politics at all. And I think if we were, if I was reporting this and it wasn't a politician. We would have we would have reported on it much 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 right. earlier. I would talk, uh, talking it would have probably talking about politics. You know a lot about the politics, even though you may not like it. Of NBC, uh, Joe Biden came out and did an interview with uh, uh, Mika Brzezinski last week on MSNBC, mm-hmm. and that was the first time he went on camera. Um, why do you think they selected MSNBC for the interview? And what did you think of his answers to those questions that that Michael was asking? You know, I don't know why they selected MSNBC. Um, that's who knows. You know, that could be his team's relationships or who he feels personally connected with. Uh huh. Um, 
I thought Mika pressed him pretty hard. Yes. And uh, I thought she did a good interview. I, th- I and did too. The, the, the one part I was, I was watching and thought that was interesting, I, I wasn't sure if he, the, the part where he was talking about the University of Delaware, that the records that exist there, uh-huh. I thought she asked him a very good question and said, why not just allow yeah. us to search the University of Delaware records just for just for the name Tara Reed, right. Tara Reed, and I I wasn't sure he had a good answer for that no. because it seems like a very fair. We don't want to search the whole record just 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 for Tara Reed. It was a fair question. And, he um, seemed to be totally blown away by it. Just uh, did not that did yeah. not have an answer. So, uh, one other thing, uh, and again, this gets sort of the the, the politics of of. of are you surprised at the public reaction to the interview and that Megan Kelly did it with you producing it? Well, what, I mean, help me, help me understand what is the public reaction to the interview? I, I'm not, I've, uh, well, I don't think I, there, I, kind of I turned everything off. I'm, I don't think there has been much public reaction. We'll see of whether we get uh reaction to it at 1-800-723-8289 when we're done. But I mean, I watched mm-hmm. Face the Nation. I, uh, I'm sorry. I watched Meet the Press. I watched George Stephanopoulos, and I and I searched uh, uh, Face the Nation. No one mentioned this story today. Chuck Todd promoted it at the beginning of the show that he was going to talk about it, and then something I've never heard on a network show. He said he ran out of time to talk about a subject. Never heard that before in my life. But the three major That's Sunday shows, they totally ignored it. Right, you know, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not, I'm not gonna get into a, a discussion about media bias or, or what what should be covered. Mm-hmm. But I, I know that all of the networks covered the story when and when it when when we did the interview. I think they probably did it on the morning shows right. on I think it was Friday morning. Yeah, Lester Holt did it. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's just it. I know she's she's been trying to be heard, and it's. It's a conundrum why 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 it's not getting more um, attention uh, now that Megyn Kelly's interviewed her. But um, you know, at the end of the day, I believe this woman needs to be heard. I think she has been heard. The question is, where does it go from here? And Rich, will we I've got to I've got to say I got to say farewell. I thank you very much. We're running up against the clock. I know you've got to go. Uh, Rich McHugh has been our guest. I'm Bruce Dumont. One eight hundred seven two three eighty two eighty nine. Hi, this is Dr. Phil. The new coronavirus called COVID-19 is spreading in China and beyond. While CDC is working to stop the spread of the virus, we can all play a role in stopping this deadly disease. The CDC Foundation is a nonprofit organization supporting emergency response efforts in the United States and around the world. To get updates and learn how to protect friends and loved ones, find out how to help by going to cdcfoundation.org. Chris Domine is a husband, father, an athlete, even an Iron Man. But 10 years ago, Chris's kidneys were failing. The doctor said, if you don't get a kidney transplant, you are going to die. Chris received a second chance, made possible by an organ donor. Your well-being changes from loss of hope to better times ahead. What could you make possible as an organ, eye, and tissue donor? Leave behind the gift of life. Go to organdonor.gov, U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. Bruce Dumont back on Beyond the Beltway. Let's go to Tony. He's listening to us in Tennessee tonight. Go ahead, Tony. Or Anthony, rather. I'm sorry. 
Oh, hi there. Hi. Um, what I wanted to talk about is I listened to the um, interview with uh-huh. Megyn Kelly. Yeah. Um, where she's concerned, Tara Reid. Anyone, in my opinion, I'm a clinician now, mm-hmm. a long time. Yep. Anyone who would believe anything she says, they need to really relook at this whole thing. Certain things, key things, are so inconsistent with 98.99% of cases. Okay. She makes no sense. Give, a, give us a couple of, by the way, give us a couple of examples if you can. Of which? Uh, no, of what, what of I what, noticed? Yeah, what you noticed, John. Right, okay. On one hand, she's saying that he's really a good guy. On the other hand, he did the wrong thing. And flip-flops back and forth from that. And the thing is, is that uh, she complains about all the time she complained to people. I don't know, call me crazy, but as an American. Now, I'm a, I'm actually a Trump supporter. Mm-hmm. So, you know, but I have okay. to say, in this case with Biden, I really believe in the, what she was saying certain things is that, well, I will take a polygraph, but only if this, and I'll only do right. that. And this, and he should step down. She's making this whole thing really very political. She's not behaving at all as someone who was sexually abused Mm -hmm. or offended, sexually offended in any way. Mm -hmm. The conduct and what she was saying, it just makes, it does not add up is what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. And what I, what, how I'm really viewing it because of, she keeps putting political stuff into it. And then she is very, funny about answering certain questions, sometimes kind of cryptic, you know, yeah. avoidant of direct answers. Yeah. What it really is telling me is that she sees an opportunity here mm-hmm. for 10 minutes of fame, and she'll make a lot of money on it because she'll go on all the talk shows who want to hear her. But there's no proof of anything that's what she's saying. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't even add up. No, well, I, you know, I and that's by the where way, I'm coming from. I, yeah. I, I think, by the way, uh, just to, uh, to to say that I, I think you speak for uh, you know a lot of people. That did you say that you're a you're a therapist? Did you identify yourself as a therapist? I am a nurse and also okay. an LCSW. Okay, All right, very good. All right. And I've worked a lot with people in these situations. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, a listen, lot. I'm thank not you. a young guy. Thank, okay. <laughs> well, you sound young. <laughs> listen, uh, Anthony, thank you very much uh, for your call. And uh, now we're going to go to Kevin listening to us uh, in Chicago. Go ahead, Kevin. You're on the air. Uh, hey, Bruce. Thanks for taking on call. Good. Um, I thought a lot of this thoughts were the same as the previous caller. Um, on one hand, she seemed to say he was a nice guy. She seemed to say, you can vote for him, but just believe me. And a lot of what she said just didn't, in my mind, rise to the level that someone who had been offended against would behave. Um, but for me, the most telling comment was the comment about TikTok, um, that, you know, this was political and she had a bomb she was going to drop. Mm-hmm. And um, 
and then I guess my final thought, and you can can comment on all of it, is that she, you know at every turn where there was a question about her behavior or the past conduct, she had some sort of convenient excuse to to sort of explain it away, and there were just too many of those for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't doubt that at some time there might have been some harassment on his part. There might have been a misunderstanding about level of interest between the two. And I think I've heard that story in the past. And mm-hmm. now the claim seems to have been ratcheted up in, in, in this interview. So um, that's kind of what I'll, I'll leave it at okay. that. Okay. All right. Thank you for your call very much. Uh, let's go to Julia. Julia, is this, uh, let me just ask, is this Julia Klein? Yes, sir. It's okay. Sure How you doing, Bruce? Great. Nice to nice to have you with us. I should mention for uh, full transparency, uh, Julie and I are we're, we're Facebook friends. She has been a guest on this program. Uh, in in reading her posts, uh, she believes that uh, it's it's time to look for a backup for Joe Biden. But I asked her because we had this special interview this evening. I asked her if that she would if she would listen to the interview and when it was all over to call me up and find out whether. Uh, her opinion, either of her or Joe Biden, uh, was changed at all by what she heard. So, Julia, what's the answer to the question? No, my opinion was not changed. Um, okay. I think Tara Reid is very credible. I think that her interview was impressive. I disagree with your previous caller who mm-hmm. calls himself a clinician, um, mm-hmm. who says that she does not present the way that sexual assault survivors do. She absolutely does. Um, and it's it's exhausting and frustrating um, that all of the ground I thought we had made in understanding how sexual assault survivors behave had all that ground that we made while learning from Christine Blasey Ford, all of that is now being eroded by people, including many Democrats, by the way, who mm-hmm. are saying Tara Reid isn't credible because she keeps changing her story. She isn't credible because she doesn't know exactly when it happened. She isn't credible because she was nice to him for a while afterwards. She, I mean, all of these are invalid reasons to disbelieve her story. Mm-hmm. Now, they don't prove that her story's correct either, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, I th- it is true that there is no proof that she's telling the truth, mm-hmm. but in every sexual assault allegation, um, basically it comes down to two people, you know, the two people mm-hmm. that were there. And it, if we were in a court of law, which we're not, so there's a very different standard of proof, mm-hmm. but if we were in a court of law, um, the, the, the judge would ask the jury to use the statement of the two people as the evidence. Mm-hmm. What did the man say? What did the woman say? Or in some cases, two men or two men, whatever, but mm-hmm. in this case, man or woman, what did they say? And what do you think of the truthfulness of what each of them is saying? Mm-hmm. I find what Tara Reid has to say really credible. And I find Joe Biden less so. Um, I think, and Tara did a terrific job of making some of the points for herself. Mm-hmm. For example, the Biden campaign did not issue any kind of a response for a whole month after her allegation escalated, mm-hmm. which is in stark contrast, by the way, to how Al Franken behaved two years ago. Right. I think a lot of people sort of juxtapose Al Franken and Joe Biden. They are two Democrats, both of whom are accused of relatively minor uh, a, a set of things. Now, the, the accusation of sexual assault is certainly not minor, but all of the other seven allegations against Joe Biden are minor. 
much like the allegations against Al Franken were generally pretty minor on mm-hmm. the grand scheme of things. Right. And, you know, Al Franken got thrown under the bus. And I think, in, I think unfairly, and I think most of America thinks unfairly. And so we now seem to be like, you know, just ricocheting to the other direction. Well, we're certainly not going to do the same thing to Joe Biden. So let's just keep him no matter what. When, and what we're losing sight of is there's a much more important middle ground. There's and also something, the, the Julia. The ground is to say, I, I, personally, what I think Joe Biden, what I would love to see Joe Biden do is let's just stipulate for the moment that Caravita is somehow mistaken, right? Joe Biden should come out and say, look, in this particular case, these allegations are just false. But the fact of the matter is that there are millions of women in America for whom things like this have happened, and it is time for us to stop the systems and the circumstances that allow it to happen, and I am going to be the guy that gets this stuff changed once and for all. Mm -hmm. And here's what I'm going to... And it would completely, 180-degree shift the conversation Mm -hmm. about what's going on here. You no longer have to be doing this defensive sidestepping about did he or didn't he and what's the proof, and all of a sudden he could say, look, I'm telling you I didn't do it, but but, but I want you to believe in me because of what I'm going to do going forward. And he's not doing that. He's, he's, he's doing all kinds of, uh, I'll say almost gaslighting, uh, not that's a, not that's a long term, uh-huh. but you know, he's, uh, you know, pointing to, oh, all these false accusations against me and, right. and there are some, there have been some, some memes that have been created, photoshopped, there has been some of that. Mm-hmm. For him to be talking about all of that makes him sound really defensive and like a guy but- who is playing political cards to hang on and not like a person who is trying to put women's safety and equality at the forefront of the American consciousness as he runs for president. Right. Well, I, I think the one thing that you said early on, which which I'm very interested, I mean, uh, you're our first uh, you know female caller Hello? this evening. Ruth, because, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? I'm here. Uh, but it, it's, uh, you know, men see this interview, I think, differently than women. I mean, when I was listening to the, the the interview, I was not just thinking about Tara Reid. I was thinking about the, the, the tens of thousands or more of women who have been in circumstances like her, and she basically was speaking for them. I, I could see or hear a lot of them just sort of nodding their head as she told her story because her story was their story, and obviously not with politicians necessarily, but in a similar situation, uh, she had, you know, she had been abused, and 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 many women have been abused by men, and so they they see this story in in such a different in such a different light. Correct. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yes. Julia, uh, I, I thank you very much. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna do a follow up on this. We don't know whether there's gonna be uh, a great reaction to this or not. But again, I thank you very much. I want to let, let everybody know you and I did discuss this in advance because I wanted to get your reaction because you've been very articulate and not only tonight but certainly uh, very uh, defensive and and articulate in making offensive rather in making your case in a positive way uh, on, on on your Facebook Live. So thank you very much. Uh, Julia, and we'll be back in just a moment with more calls. Every year, millions of Americans use opioids to manage pain. Pain can be unrelenting, overwhelming, and all-consuming. So why do so many of us try to manage pain only from the palm of our hands? 
Doctor-prescribed opioids are appropriate in some cases, but they just mask the pain. And reliance on opioids has led to the worst drug crisis in American history. That's why the CDC recommends safer alternatives, like physical therapy, to manage pain. Physical therapists treat pain through movement, hands-on care, and patient education. No warning labels required. And by increasing physical activity, you can also reduce your risk of other chronic diseases. Pain is personal, but treating pain takes teamwork. When it comes to your health, you have a choice. Choose more movement and better health. Choose physical therapy. Visit MoveForwardPT.com to find a physical therapist in your area. This message is brought to you by the American Physical Therapy Association. Bruce Dumont, uh, we thank you very much uh, for uh, joining us this evening. And by the way, uh, Julia Klein, who was with, uh, just with us, uh, uh, she writes, uh, or she is, a, she is a blogger and also has her own podcast. It's Solving Hashtag Me Too. Solving Hashtag Me Too. She does a series of interviews. She does a very good job of interviewing people on this subject. And so uh, we thank uh, Julia Klein for uh, being with us tonight to uh, represent uh, I guess a, a different perspective on this interview. Again, we have different people, but I, I think one of the one of the political issues that comes out of this is the Democratic Party, because uh, their association with the Me Too movement. Uh, this is a this is a dicey situation for them as to how do how do they respond? Because you have the way that many of them responded uh, to the uh, Brett Kavanaugh hearings. And uh, Republicans are trying to make hay out of the fact that look at the same people that got riled up against uh, against Brett Kavanaugh aren't getting riled up now against Joe Biden. So, again, I think that's going to be a theme uh, throughout uh, the campaign as it unfolds. Let's go to Tom listening to us on WMAY in Springfield, Illinois. Go ahead, Tom. Bruce, thanks so much for taking my call. Good. Uh, clearly, he did it. There's no question in my mind he did it. Why? Let's take a look. Okay, remember Packwood, you remember Kennedy, yes. you remember Franken. Yes. These senators are so entitled. Now, I don't know how big your staff is, Bruce, but do you have 29-year-old women bringing, single 29-year-old women bringing you stuff all the time? No. In personal spaces? No. Because that's who he hired. He hired her, correct? Uh, well, there, well so, someone, some, someone on the staff uh, did hire her. Correct. We don't and know. And by the way... He, he ended up proximity to her there's no question now let's look at his video behavior he, he has clearly no sense of people's personal space especially women and that is almost any aged women correct you've seen the videos for a long time until he was called out on it biden was a very hands-on guy rubbing people's shoulders women's right. shoulders from behind yeah. mm -hmm. coming up with his arm around their waist coming up, you know, stroking their back right. against their will and unannounced and uninvited. And then finally, he was called out on it and said, look, you got to quit doing that. And he said, man, you're right. I got to quit doing that. And he did quit doing it, didn't he? Because even his video sense of entitlement shows itself, doesn't mm -hmm. it? It does. And, and these senators, don't they have their own subway line in D.C.? They do. They have so many perks and entitlements. And, and lackeys and toadies. I know those are pejorative terms, and I apologize for that. But there's people that clearly seek them out because of their power, and they Tom, feel empowered. T 
Tom, let me ask you this question. Again, uh, Julia made the point that something that happened 27 years ago, uh, uh, you know, there, that that still has an impact on the woman today. That's that's her her perspective on on those that come forward and make these allegations. Does it bother you? I don't know. That, does it no? Does it bother you that someone waits 27 years to uh, to react? Or is that? Yeah, I don't know where Tara Reid is from, but I know how Midwesterners are from. Well, she's they from Monterey, California. Well they have a very well defined sense of being shafted, of being took advantage of, of mm-hmm. being chucked over. And they don't like it. Mm-hmm. It rubs them raw. And the more they think about it, the madder they get, especially as their situation in life changes. Where, where you're a young kid, you think, well, I just got to take it. Or you're, you're a middle aged woman, you think, mm-hmm. well, I just got to take it. But then you get to be an older person. And you have more of life's experience, and you think, you know what? I don't have to take that. And I never should have took that. That's why they file late lawsuits. Right. Sexual abuse survivors from the Boy Scouts, they say, look, I'm not taking that from that guy no more. And Tom, question you, to you. Tom, question to you. Tom, a, a political question to you. You don't like Joe Biden. So uh, does that mean you believe Tara Reid? It's a, it's a question that everybody's motives come into play. Everybody okay. questions everybody's motive. The, any lunacy about she's a Russian plant, did they plant her, what, 24 years ago? Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. When, when this thing allegedly happened? What a ridiculous nonsense from the Democratic operatives. You can see how scared they are. Mm-hmm. This, this cuts right across to the heart of Biden. His on-camera stuff blew up in his face, and now you've got a sexual allegation from way in the past. This was a 29-year-old woman. I, I don't know if she's in her sexual prime or not, but he kept himself around her. And so he set himself up for this deal pretty easy, didn't he? Without my motivation, right. he set himself up for this deal pretty easy. Tom, didn't I'm gonna, he? I, I didn't I'm tell gonna, him to hire her or to be around her. He did that on his own. I want to ask a it's question. Funny. I, I, I want to ask a question, and I want to say in advance, uh, I, I don't mean to offend any women that are listening to the program. And if you want to call in and and challenge me on this point. Uh, feel free to do so because one of the things that I do on this program is is look at media's presentation of the story. Now, since this story broke, in all of the major the, the major coverage of this, they've always shown a contemporary picture of uh, of Tara Reid, what she looks like now. Yep, yep. Only did you see her what she looked like then? I did this morning for the first time. Bruce, she was a hottie. She was a hottie, wasn't she? Yes, she was. She was a knockout is what she was. I stayed a bachelor till I was 35. While I was a bachelor, I dated. And this Tara Reed at 29, oh yeah, she would have got Tom's attention. Let's put it that way. Okay. In a dating situation, not in a coercive, I'm your boss situation, in an abusive situation. I'm saying they know how to pick them, don't they? And that's clearly another deal why... I believe her 100%. Biden got caught, and I guarantee you, she, Tara Reid was right about one thing. There are other victims. Do you know a shoplifter, Bruce, that just shoplifts one time and never shoplifts again the rest of their life? Nope. I believe in patterns of behavior. For, for regular stuff like workout people or gamblers or for sexual abusers or for people that just like to make money or work hard for a living, that's a pattern of behavior their whole life. And I guarantee you, with this Biden, there are more people. There are more victims. 
Tom? With, we, these, with this, I'm a senator forever, and I can do whatever I want. You know he did it. Tom? No question about I got to say goodbye. Thanks very much. We're running out of time. That's uh, Tom from WMAY in Springfield, Illinois. Our thanks to Fritz Goldman, who assisted in the production of this program, as well as Andrew Marshall. And also uh, thanks uh, to uh, Megan Kelly and Tara Reed, and, of course, uh, to Rich McHugh for making this show possible as well. I'm Bruce Dumont. Good night from Evanston, Illinois.